0: Well, we're in a new series uh, this weekend, and it's called Renew. Uh, When we think of uh, renew, uh, I don't know about you, uh, I think of uh, recycling, that renew symbol. Uh, You all recycle, right? Some of you are committed to destroying the earth. That's wonderful that you're here today. Uh, So when you recycle, you take something that is uh, broken or worn or uh, maybe dirty, and you say there's really a chance for that uh to be uh, renewed and so that's really what we're looking at uh when i played sports as a kid they had that drink what was the renewal drink that made you feel better you were supposed to drink what you remember what that was gatorade yeah that uh, actually was developed for the florida gators football team uh someone put this on my uh, Facebook page. I thought this was pretty funny a couple times. You should uh, be as excited at church as about Super Bowl, so when your pastor makes a point, pour Gatorade over his head. I am not suggesting that. That would be a, uh, yeah, uh, the, the tech guys, they have fun, don't they? Well, we're considering uh, what does it look like uh, to find that sense of renewal, and uh, how God works in that, well, it all begins with uh, our in our mind it begins god 's work and then him transforming forming our mind. We read this in romans uh, twelve twelve two. it says, "Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Will you underline uh, renewing of your mind if you're uh, Taking notes today, uh, I want you to just think of that word and think of maybe renewal that would happen in your life. Jesus, when he taught, he had people who would come and hear him. He had other people who were skeptical and people who were downright hostile. One was a group called the Pharisees, religious leaders. They would take the commands or the laws of God and they would try to dissect, dissect them in such a way where they would get every detail of how they should be lived out. Now, Jesus, he equally honored God's directive commands and law, but was more expansive in it. And uh, we see this in something that's called the Shemot, with sort of uh, the central saying about what it meant to follow God in Deuteronomy 6. And then uh, Jesus in Matthew uh, twenty two thirty seven, 37, uh, he quotes that. And he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And then the interesting thing is Jesus Uh, add something to it which I think is really found in it but he's he's just saying of course since we're called to love God uh, there's another command he said "And the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself and we're considering today uh, what it means to be renewed and the key idea we are considering is to reach our God-given potential It requires relationships. Uh, Now, you you know that intuitively, that uh, when we want to get to the best restaurant or the best vacation or read a good book, we'll we'll usually ask someone. uh, Relationships help us to grow. And spiritually, even more so. Relationships, for the positive or the negative, are intensely spiritual when you think about it. But many of us, we uh, sort of shy away from uh, relationships. Maybe it's something that happened in the past. We put ourselves out there, and it didn't work out so well. It happens to all of us. I shared, uh, actually I think I shared uh, a number of years ago, maybe the first few months I was here a story. I was uh, at a pastor's conference, and we all went out to a restaurant afterwards, and it just having a pretty good time. Well, I had walked into the bathroom, and I was there. By the way, ladies, I'll, I'll tell you how this works in the men's bathroom. When there's a row of urinals, if you're a man and it's empty, you go to one side or the other. Never to the middle. This is part of one of the unwritten rules. Uh, another guy uh, walks in, and he goes the other uh, side. Uh, so there's a man from the conference, and he's you know, going to be a prankster. He's going to have some fun with this. And so he goes up to the other man who's standing there at the urinal, by the way, uh, not only starts talking to him, starts rubbing his shoulders, patting him on the head, and he is just yucking it up. He is just laughing and laughing right up until the point the man turns around and realizes he was not one of the people at this conference. And then, then the, the guy who is, uh, came in and rubbed the shoulders, he looks at me and I look away. I'm like, I do not know you. Uh, and he felt really bad about it that he'd have to like go back to the table and tell people what happened I felt so sorry for him I didn't want him to have to do that so I told everyone before he got there <laughs> well wait what'll happen is in a more serious way is we uh, we will make the effort uh, but then it doesn't work out and so we we, we move towards isolation I know myself uh, my natural tendency is isolation, but we lose a lot in isolation. One of the things we lose is perspective on life. Uh, we lose uh, a sense of of what it means to go through the, cir- the circumstances I'm going through right now. People left alone to their own thoughts, uh, it's always negative. It's never positive. If you say, "I just want to be left alone to my own thoughts," the outcome is will always be negative it just that's the only way it happens because that's where we we hear not only the voice of the evil one we don't hear the voice of God because relationships are intensely spiritual Uh, you think about this in the physical realm Uh, there have been many studies on this Uh, one actually a couple books one of them I read a number of years ago by Dr. Walter Friedman from UC Riverside Uh, it's called the self-healing personality he was studying Uh, uh, non-medical solutions to uh, illness. And what he discovered was that people who had great relationships were able to overcome uh, disease at a higher rate, a significantly higher rate. There's another study out recently uh, that said if you have a healthy lifestyle, if you eat well and you exercise, but you really don't have any significant relationships, you will have poor health. And in fact, if someone has some bad health habits, uh, but has significant supportive relationships, they will actually uh, do as well, maybe even better with their health. So the study basically said it's better uh, to have Twinkies with friends than broccoli alone. That's sort of uh, where you get out of that study. Uh, But but we know that. We also lose confidence in our gifts. Uh, I was in my Bible study and, and one of the people in my Bible study was uh, describing uh, something that I had not really heard about before, so I did a little research on the internet and it's called the imposter syndrome. It's, it's really something that affects people, primarily those who have found some level of achievement in their life, uh, and it was, the term was coined in 1978 by clinical psychologist Pauline Clance and Suzanne Imes, referring to high-achieving individuals who are not able to internalize their accomplishment and have the persistent fear of being exposed. They have this level of self-doubt because there's, nothing, there's no moorings for that. Uh, and one of the things that relationships will help us is to understand who we are, that we can see God speaking through other people. And that really leads to the third thing we lose is faith in God. Now it's not an inevitable outcome, but my faith in God is always uh, going to be better in community and relationship. Uh, people come to me with weird ideas about God, and i uh, not, not saying they're bad people. It just means they've been left with their own thoughts. Because... Historically, you look even before the time of Jesus, scripture was always interpreted in community. In fact, there's, if you look over thousands of years, there's no concept of that really being done just alone. Uh, rabbinical schools, it would be a teacher and students and they would study and they'd talk about the scriptures together. And I see people who wander away from historical biblical faith because they don't even see the community that goes generations past us, that we need to, not only what the Bible say, what does it say to us, but how have uh, people, good godly people understood that? So this is what we lose, but what I want to focus on for the rest of our time is really how we can do better. And there's an account in the Bible uh, that I think is so instructive. It's the best friend story in all the Bible. And in fact, I call this section, uh, The Friends You Want or You Want to Be. Jesus is teaching a group of people, and uh, it's in a house, like there's this big church service. It wasn't Super Bowl Sunday, evidently. And uh, there was this big church service, and all the people are gathered uh, around. And some friends had brought their friend who was paralyzed. And they knew Jesus was a healer, that he not only taught about the kingdom of God, but he could physically heal, and they couldn't get in. And so this is what we read in the account. The power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on a roof and lowered him on the mat uh, through the tiles in the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. You, you, if you've read that story before, I've read it a number of times in my life, and you sometimes lose the impact of what's happening. That uh, these guys, it says, a group of men. I don't think it need to, needed to say that it was men in the scripture, because only men would do something like this. that hoist them up on the roof and then dig a hole in the roof. A crazy idea, but it ended up to work out okay for everyone except the homeowner in this case. Uh, And they lower him in front of Jesus, and uh, he is healed. In fact, first Jesus says your sins are forgiven because Jesus knew the greatest healing that needed to take place was spiritual. But then to authenticate what he had done spiritually, uh, there's the physical healing as well. He says, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on the earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed uh, and gave uh, gave praise to God. They were filled with awe. They said, we have seen remarkable things today. So what do we learn from this account? What do we learn about the friends we want or want to be? Uh, the, the first thing I learned as I look at that account is they had compassion on a hurting friend. And this is tough for us because oftentimes uh, we have enough problems in our life that we're reticent to get involved with other people's problems. Or it can be, uh, well, I, I would say this too, because oftentimes when people are hurting, uh, in fact, I'd say this is most of the times, almost all the times, we act out in ways that make us hard to be around. Uh, when, we're hurt, when I am hurt physically, when my knee was hurt, I was in a bad mood for a while. Why was I ma- I wasn't mad at anyone. I was just mad that I had hurt my knee. And by the way, I'm the one who did it. It was sort of a, I can't imagine when it's a greater illness. And, and so I, I would just say this is a cautionary moment. If you're hurting uh, physically, uh, relationally, be cautious because there may be people who are showing you compassion or want to, but you're just hurting so much and that's okay to be hurting, but actually you're resisting what God is providing for you. I've talked to people and they say, well, no one was there when I went through this crisis with my child. And I'd know them and I'm like, I know eight people who reached out to you. Some of them multiple times. It doesn't mean you're a bad person, but there was more than enough help and you just couldn't receive it. So if you're in that place today, maybe it's not looking for the help that's out there, the compassion. Maybe it's saying, God, I want my heart to be receptive to that. For me, uh, I want to be available, but often I'm not to God with that, if I was going to be real honest. I was in Seattle, I, I think I mentioned this a while back, having breakfast at a restaurant. Uh, well, when I was at, at that restaurant before I was going to a big meeting, I saw a guy and he looked, he looked disturbed, lonely, and I got this sense from God uh, that I was... You know, like, go talk to them. I, I don't talk to strangers in restaurants. That's sort of not my MO. Uh, I just sort of like to keep to myself for the most part. And so I'm having this internal dialogue with God, like, okay, God, is there other people that follow you in this restaurant? And he goes, no, it's Seattle. No, the, uh, <laughs> there, there, I'm sure there were. But I sense that God was asking me to do that. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to the washroom, get washed up, and then I'm going to go talk to him. And what I'd like to tell you, Is that I came back out, I talked to him, I heard about his problems, he felt loved, I led him to Jesus, he's at church today and will be baptized after the service. That's what I'd like to tell you. Uh, But what really happened is I went back out and he he was already gone. The moment had passed. And the opportunity to be a compassionate friend is never going to come at the right time for you. It'll never be convenient. It always needs to be taken in the lifetime of the opportunity. For some of us, we've gone through painful circumstances, and we know what it says in 2 Corinthians to be true. Sometimes it takes a painful circumstance for us to change our ways. I would say, though, it takes that circumstance, but it also takes uh, our hearts being open to that. For many of you, that's your story here. Uh, with God you're here with you here at Timberlake I was uh, talking to someone who I've known he's been coming to church for about uh, four years he sort of found himself disconnected from God and and after a time where relationships weren't working out so well and I just thought instead of at the end of the message right here in the middle of it as we talk about it it would be great for you uh, to hear Randy's story
1: My name is Randy. I've been coming to Timberlake for about four years now. I came to Timberlake because I was struggling with some of my issues from my past. And uh, I needed something more than what I'd been getting. And God obviously was a a place I had not looked enough before. Um, And I'd always known that there was something missing. Um, But I always thought I could take care of things myself. (laughs) Uh, You know, all the control and everything. and when I walked into Timberlake, I just felt comfortable that people would greet me. I still remember the three or four people who came up and said hello. This church, this environment, the people in this church make me feel comfortable. It's, it's like I'm a part of it rather than attending and leaving, right? About four years ago, I went and uh, was looking, actually talked to Ben and was looking for a, a growth group and help deal with some of my issues and I went to the first one. And I think within six months I was baptized and just felt like um, my life was changed. I had people around me that I could lean on, I could people support, um, camaraderie, uh, fellowship, uh, hanging out with the guys. Um, uh, even to this day I, I have breakfast every, uh, coffee every, mor- every uh, Saturday to, um, with one of the guys yeah there is no question in the last four years if I had not been a part of growth group I would not have been able to get through some of the things I've been through at the end of 2015 I went through a couple really difficult issues Um, I had to end a relationship that uh, I thought was going somewhere and if it had not been for growth groups um, I think I would have uh, felt shame I think I would have uh, I wouldn't have known where to turn to. The very first person that I called was one of the persons in our birth group. And so it, it just it provides a, um, a lifeline, if you will, to be able to pick up the phone and call and know that you've got somebody there without any judgments. Uh, you can't help not to get closer to God. I mean, you, you're building relationships with people. You're, um, you're learning stuff. You're learning about yourself. I, I don't think I would be the kind of person that I am today. I think I would have been a mess. <laughs> I think I would have uh, uh, been destructive. Uh, I think I—I um, I certainly wouldn't have had the resources and the people to reach out to, to to work on issues and things that I needed to help help on. And, and, and with those um, with those growth groups, um, I feel like I've worked all the way through some of those issues, and um, I'm grateful I, uh, that they were there.
0: I think Randy's story really illustrates the second thing we see in this story. And they had faith for their friend. Now, I've read this account probably at least 70 times or more in my life, maybe more than that. One of the things I didn't notice before is when Jesus is talking uh, to them, he's not talking to the man, he's talking to the friends. He said when he saw their faith, the man was healed we don't know about his faith we don't even know if he wanted to go see Jesus but his friends had faith for him and here's a dirty little secret that people may not tell you that even uh, after you've come to faith in Christ there can be moments when the days are hard when the doubts are too much when the discouragement gets overwhelming when there's physical or emotional pain or a dark night of the soul that detracts from everything in our life and we start to feel empty that it's hard for us to even have faith for ourselves there's an account in the Bible where a man comes to Jesus and he says help me in my unbelief I want to believe but help me. So my question is, who will have faith for you? See, these are friendships that are, that are different than others because they have to be people who love and believe in God's promises for you. Every friendship doesn't need to be like that in your life. I hope you have friends who don't share your faith. But there need to be close friends who are saying, I'm going to contend for you. That we can borrow from one another in our faith. In Romans uh, 1, 11 through 12, uh, it says, I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you to make you strong. And then it says, and that is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. It takes mutual encouragement for us to grow spiritually, for us sometimes just to, as Randy was talking about, to not make dumb decisions when life gets a little bit difficult. And that system can never be built in retrospect. It has to be before we hit that situation. I think of someone in my life who was very influential. Uh, His name was Vernon. uh, And he was the pastor of the first church I was regularly part of. It was a smaller church uh, than, you know, it would be about the size of one of our campuses. But he was a great guy. And love God, and I—I uh, I was trying my best. I had come to know Jesus, and I've shared this before. About a year and a half or two years into it, uh, I had started to uh, get to one of those places where I, I was doubt—I had doubts and confusion, and my lifestyle certainly wasn't uh, wasn't honoring God at all. And in, in the midst of that, uh, he said, uh, "Ben, I think you would be a great pastor." And I thought that he probably knew what was going on in my life because small churches have what's called the spiritual gift of gossip. <laughs> and so uh, the, uh, you, you just don't know. it With all the campuses and services, you don't know each other. So that helps fight that for you. But in small little church, uh, I think he knew what was going on. And for me, uh, well, first I asked my friends, hey, Pastor Vernon says I should be a pastor. What do you think? And they laughed. And, and I told him, I said, hey, I don't know if I'm going to be a pastor. I, I think I'm going to, I want to be a lawyer. So I said, how about if I'm just a godly lawyer? And he explained that wasn't possible to be a godly lawyer. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to make all our attorney friends mad uh, here. Because I, I if I don't need you someday, certainly my family needs you. So uh, I, I knew I could do that. Uh, but he saw something in me that actually became aspirational. I didn't know if I was going to become a pastor or not. In fact, that's not the way I headed after college. But I knew I wanted to be the kind of person that would honor God with their lives. And I started to live up to that. Who's calling that out in you? I I would just ask you the question, because I know some of us, you're starting out in life. That's great. There's lots of people speaking into your life. If you find yourself uh, doing pretty well, Maybe you're at the top of the food chain. Who speaks to you with love and encouragement and authority and is calling you to your next level in Jesus Christ? I can tell you if no one is, you'll never get there. You'll only get there when there's someone like that in your life. We also see they didn't try to fix everything themselves. Uh, we, we've heard it, and it's cliche, Uh, that if you have a friend in a crisis, they'd rather have you there than your answers. Uh, And honestly, we know that until someone knows you care, it's not going to really matter what we say. And then they included Jesus. They literally tore the roof off someone's home to get their friend to Jesus. It wasn't practical, but it was essential. So here's what I want to do. The last five weeks, we've talked about our mission together and spiritual growth, all important things Uh, and it's been more, what do we do? And that's important. If you've been missing the last few weeks, listen to those messages. But now I want to talk about you. That's our favorite subject anyway, right? Uh, Let's do a little relational checkup. Uh, How are we doing? Here are three questions. Am I nurturing important relationships? The best way to have significant life-giving relationships is to be investing in the ones you have. Now, we need friendships. If you're married, you need, uh, outside of your marriage, you need someone else who's a friend. Uh, we, maybe if you are married, you're like, hey, you know, guys, if you're like, yeah, hey, every 10 years we go on a big vacation. It needs more than that. It really does. You, uh, you need daily touch points with uh, your wife. I know some of you looked at me, you're like, you interpreted that in a way I didn't want you to interpret that, because uh, you're sinful people. Anyway, you need daily touch how can I say this? Uh, You need to check in with each other. Okay, it says this, Galatians, uh, it says in Galatians, serve one another humbly in love. And then number two, am I severing harmful relationships? Uh, I've talked to people who are in business partnerships and it's going well financially, uh, but honestly, it's starting to become toxic spiritually. Now, I'm not one of these people who believes that every job has to be your life-calling. In fact, really, when you look through scriptures, jobs primarily, if if they feed your soul, that is good, and I encourage you to seek one out. Sometimes they're just to pay the bills, and you know what? That's okay. It's good to pay the bills. That's a good thing. But if something's drawing you away from God, I've talked to people who say, the travel schedule and my temptations are not a good mix. And then maybe, and the guys I'm traveling with are the ladies, and maybe that's just a sign that you know, that there needs to be a change. There may be friendships who, where there's someone who's your friend, but you feel worse every time you're around them. That's not a life-giving relationship. I know we have a lot more singles now attending our church and our campuses, and I talked to both uh, men and women, and uh, maybe uh, they're There's fighting all the time, and if you're fighting now, it doesn't get better when you get married, by the way, let me give you a little clue on that one, because it becomes more permanent. In fact, this is an interesting thing that couples who have been living together often mistake the fact that we know each other, and the truth is, the sense of permanency that comes with marriage actually, I think, is why the divorce rate is higher among people who have gone that route in their relationship. Uh, Maybe you're dating someone. Maybe you're, I talked to uh, uh, single women and, and maybe you're dating someone and he is pressuring you to do things that you know God doesn't want you to do and you're not sure you want to do. And you've told him, but he still pressures you. And it's time for you to end that relationship. It really is. And I've talked to people, I don't know how to do it. If you don't know how to do it, no problem. Give me your phone. I'll do it. (laughs) I really will. It's over, EmojiCon sad face. (laughs) Just being your pastor here, that's all I'm trying to do. says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. And then finally, am I initiating meaningful relationships? Uh, What are you doing in this season of your life to position yourself to grow relationally? Uh, Are you, you have, because you know, relationships change. They end. I talked about my mentor. He passed away. He was in his 90s, had a great, godly life, wonderful man. Pastor Vernon. But yeah, I don't don't have him any longer in my life, so I better have someone else in my life. And maybe you have great supportive relationships outside of the person you're dating or married to or your parents, because it should be someone besides that who loves Jesus and loves you. Uh, One of the vehicles we use often is growth groups. I'm not saying you have to join a growth group, most people are. We have 80% of our people usually are in growth groups, about that number. I mean, it's a high number, high percentage. Uh, and we don't get anything out of it except you get to grow spiritually and that's why I became a pastor I want you to be closer to Jesus and to have the life that Jesus promised that you will have life and have it to its fullest and I know you can't have that unless you have life-giving relationships so how do you apply this if you say okay I want to join a group maybe you're like me I wasn't in a group for a year and a half I talk about groups I believe in groups but you know what I just started, I don't know what, life got busy. Finally, this last fall, I just knew that I needed people around me for me to grow in my faith and uh, meet with a great group of guys uh, every week. Well, how, how do you do it? Well, you got to shop for the right one. Uh, it, you got to say, hey, you know, what would be the right group for me? Because we have about 100 groups. Not every group is going to be perfect for everyone. And I get that. You can call the group staff. uh, Email them. Say, hey, I'm not sure. And then when you get in one, stick with it after you commit. Because you might go the first week and you're like, okay, I'm not sure. They're only like six to eight weeks long. Make it every week here in town. Make it a priority. Because when you invest, your return will be greater. There was a lady who came to the Saturday night service, which I thought was uh, sort of cool. Uh, She, as I found out during the conversation, she did not lead with this. Uh, She was sort of in the homeless category. She's living in her car, actually a van, uh, in one of those places where they allow homeless uh, people to live. And she said, by the way, you have some other people who live there who go to your church. And uh, which I thought was wonderful that she felt welcome. And uh, she said, I want to join a group, but will you pray for me? Because I don't stick with things. And so I prayed for her, and I'm going to pray for you too, because when you sign up, you need to stick with it. And then find a friend in the group. Uh, You know, who's going to be that person? It's usually going to be someone you're going to find. Don't lead with that. Don't go your first week and say, hey, will you be my friend? Because that's weird, because you may come back the next week, but they're not going to come back, I'll tell you that. (laughs) Uh, But it just, it's natural and more organic People ask me all the time about mentors, and we have sort of, you know, sort of that going on with our big marriage ministry and all that, but honestly, a lot of that happens organically when we're in other environments like our classes, our foundations class, or our groups, and we find someone and say, hey, you want to have a cup of coffee? And then maybe for you, it's, it's not about what you receive, it's about what you give, and you would look for your assignment. Say, God, is there, is there an assignment? Is there someone who I could be a value add in their life? You feel bored? I talk to people who feel bored or restless. You know how you can get unbored? I don't even know if that's a word, but it is now. I get to make up words because I'm a pastor. Uh, is you invest in someone's life and you see them grow, you'll never suffer from boredom or loneliness. Or a lack of purpose. Because you'll see God, just like God said to the nation of Israel, I have blessed you to be a blessing. Let me end with a scripture. It says, one who has an unreliable friend soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So my prayer is that we would not walk alone. You know one of our big sayings, you see people with the t-shirts, you'll see them in the spring when it's not cold. No one stands alone. That is one of the highest values of this church, one of my greatest prayers for you. But to step into that ultimately comes to you saying, God, I'm open for that. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you that as we come together uh, that we can experience grace God, as we learn from your Word what it means uh, to be a good friend or to have one that would be life giving god uh, we want to we want to understand that biblically, but God we want to go from intellectual knowledge to life transformation, and that happens when we respond to your truth, not by a sense that it is true but by saying, "God, what do you want me to do and maybe for you the that thing that you 're to do is To say hey I'm gonna I'm gonna invest in the relationships I have I've not been doing I've been on autopilot and I know they're not gonna maintain by themselves God Uh, I need to do that for some of us it's uh, investing in someone else that we would even as we are in groups and ministries that we would be there primarily even for other people that we would live life on assignment Or for you it could be hey i've been i've become disconnected during the season and there's lots of reasons why but i'm just making a choice today to say uh god i know for me to to grow where i need to grow for me to be renewed in my faith i need life-giving relationships and so i'm going to take a step whatever that looks like or you might be here in in the relationship that's ultimately missing in your life Is that with God through his son Jesus Christ and if you're if that's you or you say hey I'm unsure where I'm at with God you can be absolutely sure that you have what is called in the Bible friendship with God Jesus says I no longer call you servants but friends and that is true of us when we respond to God Maybe you're here today and you say, Ben, I, I want to I start that relationship with God. Then I encourage you uh, to tell that to God. You'd pray with me. I want, let's pray together, everyone's eyes closed, head bowed, even up on stage. I'll pray out loud. You pray silently, uh, give you a sense of privacy in a public place. And you'd say, God, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you sent your son Jesus for me to pay the price for my sin that I would be forgiven. And even knowing my sin, to call me friend. And I want that. And so I, I, I say yes to you as the, my Savior and Lord. I invite you into my heart and life. I want to follow you. I'm tired of living life my own way. I want to live life your way. And I trust that your promises are true. That it's, that, that will be better. Better for me and certainly honoring you, God. If you've prayed that prayer, if you've or maybe words like it, you've invited Jesus in your life, know the promise that God makes to us. He says, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. I won't give up on you. He is our forever Father, our forever God. Also, the scripture would say our forever friend. The Bible says when we invite Jesus into our life that that our eternity is changed, that we will live forever in God's presence. Like my friend and mentor Vernon, he went from life to more life with Jesus. But that didn't start when he died. That began when he said yes to him. And that will begin for you right now. Scripture also says as we take a step of faith that it becomes real in our life When we go public with that. So I want to give you the chance to do that here today. I'm not going to have you raise your hand or come forward. But here's how we do this at Timberlake. To give you again that sense of privacy in a public place. With everyone's eyes closed and head bowed. But if you say Ben I prayed that prayer. To say yes to Jesus today. Would you indicate that step of faith. By simply looking up at me. Let your eyes meet mine. I'm going to look to my right. Into your left, and that you just do that, and you say that as you let your eyes meet mine, you say that's that's a step of faith. Okay, anyone else on this side? Okay, great. Then the center sections, up in the balcony too, you'd say that's me. That's that's wonderful. That's great. Okay, in the parent viewing room, and over on my left, you'd say that's the decision I'm making today. Awesome. God, I thank you for my friends. Uh, so many, even this weekend. Uh, in this beginning of the Renew series, that they've been renewed in their life and faith if they've said yes to you, Jesus. Lord, I ask that this would not just be something we learn about, but something we would live in, in that relationship with you. And God, that you would surprise us, even this day. Maybe for the first time, or the first time in a long time, with your goodness and your grace, and your friendship. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen.